Hey friends, welcome to the Publish, Promote, Profit podcast. I'm Rob Kosberg, and every week I show you how to use a best-selling book to grow your income and your impact. And if you're interested in having your own best-selling book, I recorded a short video explaining our trademarked process at beginmybook.com. Hey, welcome everybody. It's Rob Kosberg here with another Publish, Promote, Profit podcast. Any great guest that is using his book in some really unique and very, very specific ways. Michael Bell is the Wall Street Journal bestseller of Seller Mistakes, uh, What You Were Never Told About Selling Your Home, there it is, and Why It Should Matter to You. Mike has successfully handled over 500 real estate transactions, uh, millions and millions of dollars of real estate transactions with 20 years of experience, and he's ranked in the top one-tenth of 1% of realtors nationwide. Mike, uh, so good to have you on. Mike's a friend and uh, somebody that uh, you know we at Best Seller Publishing have worked with, and I love Mike, and I love what he's doing with his book. So thanks for being on the podcast today, my friend. Thank you, Rob. I appreciate it. Yeah, I want to dive in. Um, maybe we could start with just kind of a brief overview of you know what you do, who you serve specifically there in the Pasadena, San Marino area. Um, you know, talk to me about that part of your business, and then I want to dive into the book and how you're using it. Great, sure. Um, well, my name is Michael Bell. I'm a real estate broker with Sotheby's International Realty. I've been selling for about 22 years. I'm in Pasadena. I have a, a bit of a different type of business than most realtors. Most realtors represent both buyers and sellers. I primarily only represent sellers. So I'm a listing agent. Love it. And so talk to me about what that means when you say you primarily uh, represent sellers. I would assume that sometimes, especially as hot as the market is right now, that people would see a sign, contact you directly, not have a realtor, and sometimes, you know, maybe buy like, through you and through the seller, like explain how it works and, and how you work. That's a little bit different. So actually, uh, so my book is called Seller Mistakes. Yeah. And for a seller, that's actually a mistake. That's one of the big mistakes. I have a full chapter about not, not allowing your listing agent, your representative, represent a buyer on the, on your transaction. It's a conflict of interest. Mm. Attorneys can't do it in any state. They can't represent both sides on a transaction both sides of a divorce, but it is legal as long as it's disclosed. It's actually illegal in five other states, but in California, at least, it's not illegal as long as it's fully disclosed. So the reason why it really doesn't, it rarely ever benefits the seller because, you know, your agent, it's kind of hard to represent both sides fairly. No doubt. The seller representatives, his their main job is to get you the most amount of money. And the buyer's rep, his her uh, responsibility is to get you the best deal. Those are in conflict of each other. <laughs> Makes sense. However, realtor like, realtors like to do that and buyers like it also. I'll tell you, the realtors like to do it because they make double the commission. The buyers like it because usually they get a straight shot to the seller because the agent will, will tell the seller, hey, I already got this buyer. I've already met them. It's going to be a smooth transaction and let me represent them. And most sellers... They succumb to that, and it's a big mistake. And I go into that. That thing that's the thir that's the thirteen page chapter in my book. I love it. You know, people are going to think I just set you up and, and threw you a softball. I really did not. <laughs> no, you didn't. But that is a really really great point because 
look, I see it going on in Florida where I am. I mean, it, the market is just yeah. on fire. And so you got realtors that are keeping pocket listings and, and working both sides of the transaction because they know they can sell it like in-house before it ever hits the, the market. And so that is going on. I'm sure that's going out, on out there in, in Southern Cal as well. Well, let me ask you a question. What do you think a sales price is higher, if it's a pocket price or market price? Oh, it's got to be market price that, that's better. Yeah, there's no such thing as over market price. It doesn't make sense. Right, right. It's, it's just market it price. But pocket prices, it's an old vernacular for real estate when we used to take a listing and we'd actually take that listing, the piece of paper, and we'd stick it in our back pocket and we'd tell all of our buddies and then we'd put people together. That's kind of the old way of doing it. Yeah. And there's, they still do this all the time. It's just, I think it needs to be, it, things need to change, but I don't think it's going to change. And I go way into that as to why that's probably not going to change with the National Association of Realtors and the California Association of Realtors. Love it. Love it. Well, you know, as hot as the market is, uh, and maybe I, it would help to talk a little bit about uh, what your thoughts are on the market. But as hot as the market is, I know I've just seen that. And as a buyer, I'm a buyer. I own a yeah. few uh, Airbnbs and we're looking for more. I am looking for pocket listings as a buyer because I sure. know I can get a better deal on it than if it were market because there's going to be 10 contracts. So, Bingo. Yes. So anyway, so, hey, talk to me about the market. What are you seeing in the market there in, in Southern California and nationwide as well? I mean, what what do you think about this? what seems to be an overheated marketplace. Well, the market's never been hotter. Yeah. I don't think we've ever had a bull market longer than 12 or 13 years. We're on year 15, 16 right now. Interest rates have gone up a little bit, but at the end of the day, people still want a home. And what's what's really been kind of very interesting is we thought that the millennials wouldn't be buying because the millennials, they kind of like to rent things. They like to borrow cars. They like to, you know, they have that, that uh, sharing uh, type mentality. But what's interesting right, right now, nationwide, about 40% of all the purchases are from millennials. Mm. They want to put roots down and be, in a, be a part of a community and not move around so much. So that's that, there's a lot of facets as to what's driving the, the marketplace. But unfortunately, most of the economists are saying that this is probably going to continue going up for quite a while. You know, you look at, I work for Sotheby's International. We're an international firm. So I'm always looking at values in other cities, Dubai. Tokyo, London, those prices are two to three times more expensive than Los Angeles. No kidding. Wow. So when people think, oh, LA prices can't go any higher, I hate to say it, but they've already gone higher other places a long time ago. So it's just interesting to see what's going to happen. I, I don't know. You know, I'll tell you, if I had a crystal ball, I wouldn't be talking to you. Yeah. I'd be on a beach somewhere, right? <laughs> I get it. I get it. I, I have noticed, you know, obviously I have a real estate background myself, but have been yeah. out of it from the standpoint of, you know, the way you're in it and your expertise and knowledge. But one thing that I have seen is is there is such a supply and demand issue right now where I don't even know if demand is is greater than it's been, but supply seems to be just like through the floor. There just doesn't seem to be anything for sale. Is that true? Like in a national level as well? I'm, I mean, I'm sharing anecdotally, anecdotally here in, in, you know, Northern Florida, but what are you seeing nationally? What are you seeing in SoCal? I'll tell you what the housing problem is. It's a housing shortage. Yes. And I'll sum it up very, very basically. Everybody wants more housing. They don't want it in their own backyards. That's the problem. Hmm. 
Everybody says yes to housing. They just right. don't want a big development near the beach. They don't want a big development down the street. They don't want to see the shopping center being converted. Everybody's worried about environmental impacts. They're worried about traffic. They're worried about noise and other pollution. So it's really hard to go through, get, get, get all that through. The state of California has passed a Senate bill. It's called Senate Bill 9, which is it hasn't gone through the gyrations that it needs to go through to get codified. However, it does allow a single family residential zoned home uh, property, or I should say lot, to be split in two and you can do a duplex on each lot. No kidding. Boy, that's new. So you can turn a, yeah, you can turn. So that's. So every single family lot becomes the potential for a duplex. That's what's coming down the pike. That's wow. one way of them solving it. And I mean, I, we could talk forever about this issue, but there's a lot of land out there, but nobody wants to build on it. Right. You know, th- there's all these restrictions about building on hillsides and other places. You drive around L.A., people think it's completely packed with housing. It's not. There's a lot of there's a lot of open space, but people want that open space. So what happens? It's a supply and demand issue. Yeah, it's too yeah. bad. Yeah, it, 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 it's the same out here. Uh, and part of that, I think, was the underbuilding that took place for a number of years after 2008. You know, it just took four, five, six years for the builders yeah. to to come back. At least we saw that, you know, kind of see that in Florida. And, and maybe in two or three years, it'll catch up. But I, I think you're right. I think this is going to continue even with higher interest rates, you know, for the next few years. So it's kind of like, you know, get in while you can strap in and, you know, see where values go. Well, at the end of the day, people don't necessarily buy it for an investment. They buy for a a life event. They're getting married. They're moving up. They're getting divorced. They're downsizing. They want to be closer to their kids. There's a job involved. Yeah. You know, when that situation comes across, they they don't sit there and go, gee whiz, I'm going to wait for the market to go down or anything like that. They're going to buy. And if there's not enough to buy, prices are just going to go up. Yeah. Good. Good stuff. Thank you for sharing that. You know, that's a little bit outside what we normally talk about, but that is your expertise and I'm always interested. So let's talk about the book. You know, I think you're a great guest for this show because, you know, we talk about uh, and, and our listeners tend to be those people that are interested in doing a book. They're business owners, they're entrepreneurs. And in many cases, it's easy for people to see how they can use a book to make more money. We say over and over again, it's not going to be the royalties that create a return on investment for a book, although there will be royalties and there will be some money made and probably your book will continue to earn royalties for the next 10 or 15 plus years, which is wonderful. But you're using your book in a way and you have a local business. You're, you're not selling real estate across the country. You're selling real estate, uh, very, very, you know, high end luxury real estate right there in your backyard in Pasadena. So talk to me about how you're using the book. Uh, and how it's helping you to get more of what it is you want, which is to help more, very specifically, sellers in your market. In our marketplace right now, it's you know it's the middle of 2022. People think that everything sells quickly. The good houses sell quickly that are priced right. Everything else, kind of a lot of other stuff, just sits. Mm. And believe it or not, in our marketplace in the Pasadena area, about twenty percent of all the listings do not sell. They get pulled off the market. They either expire or they get canceled. They get withdrawn. The people have decided not to sell. Usually, it's a tougher type of property. Maybe it's missing a bedroom. Maybe it doesn't really. I'm sorry, bathroom. Maybe it only has one bathroom. Maybe it has um, no backyard. But usually, it's overpriced. My book actually kind of nails down 
the probable mistakes that most people had when they tried to sell their house. Now, there's some agents that have listed homes and they only work with their own buyers. They cut out other agents. That's one of the mistakes we just talked about. There's other mistakes that people make. They rely on open houses. There's a a very detailed chapter uh, with data from the National Association of Realtors that shows that open houses are not only totally ineffective, they're incredibly dangerous. I'll tell you a quick stat. Tell me. This is the big stat that everybody kind of can't believe. According to the National Association of Realtors, they also they survey real estate agents. They found that last year, 49% of all real estate agents arm themselves when they go to do an open house. Whoa. Half. Basically 40, half. Half of them arm. Now, they arm themselves with pepper spray, a gun, a knife, or a taser in that order. Wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So Shocking. packing. Most of them are packing. But the, the interesting thing is that why are they doing open houses if they're totally ineffective? Well, they're doing out open houses because it's a lead generation tool for somebody sure. to use the, your front room to market themselves because they know who comes to these ho- these homes. But um, so what I'm doing is I'm actually I'm getting this book in front of everybody that couldn't sell their home or people that are thinking about selling their home. So I literally have written the book on how to sell a house and what doesn't work. So I've been shipping this book out to everybody that is thinking about selling a house or they haven't been able to sell a house. Love it. So, so that would be like expired listings. Yes. Uh, so you're, you're getting the book to expired listings. Uh, would that be yes. like for sale by owners in your neighborhood that they're not yeah. on the, you know, they're not on the overall market. They're just trying to do it themselves. Would that be who you're getting it to as well? There's actually a chapter about for sale by owners. 90% of them give up and they give it to a, a, a realtor. Interesting. So, yeah, yeah. I, I ship this book off to them, too. Awesome. Very, very good. And so, you know, the one of the things that we talk about a lot when it comes to, you know, what the book does for the author is it gives them this amazing credibility and authority that, like in your case, you deserve. You're in the top one-tenth of one percent of all realtors nationwide. However... You know, I mean, people don't know that out of the gate. What the book does is it frames you, especially you being a Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestseller, it frames you as the credible expert. So how are you using that like with listing presentations, perhaps, or or when you're actually engaging? I guess a two-part question. Part one is when you're sending it to these expires and FISBOs and whatnot, you know, how is that changing the conversation? And then talk to me about when you actually go on a listing presentation. I'll tell you my experience I had about two weeks ago. I was I met these owners of a fourplex in Glendale. They said they saw something on my website about me writing a book. I said, I've got the books in my car. Would you like a signed author copy? They lit up. They thought it was the most amazing thing. So I took out my Sharpie and I signed it. That is, that's a. It, you didn't tell me about this, but it's pretty awesome. <laughs> it feels when you, good. When it? you, it's amazing. I feel like a celebrity. They're so excited yeah. to to have an author copy. I know they're never going to sell it. So what I've decided to do is, I'm not going cheap and buying all the soft covers. I'm buying hard covers. It's, wow. it's just a few dollars more yeah. to have a hardcover book, and I keep them in my car, and I've got a, a sharpie there. And I hand the books to these people and I say, hey, you know, you don't have to read the whole thing because I know most people aren't going to read the whole thing, but I want them to read the introduction and I want them to read the conclusion, which has a synopsis of all the mistakes and all the things that you should do. Perfect. 
And it's it's great. It's super easy. That is perfect. So a couple of tips that Mike just gave there for any author, really, really important. You know, if you're asking for reviews on your book or if you just want your book to use and 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 frame a conversation, get it in front of a prospect, et cetera. Think about yeah. what the need of that prospect or that person is. And then just suggest that they read that one or two chapters because that's easy for anybody to do. When you hand them a book, they're going to think of you as, as Mike just said, it really does kind of change the whole game. But sometimes it's intimidating to have that entire book there and go, okay, well, geez, I, I don't want to start something I'm not going to finish. So some people don't start it. Like take the pressure off of them and tell them, Hey, just read the introduction. Just read the, just read chapter 11. That really is going to be applicable to you. Uh, I love that tip. That's really helpful for people. I actually fold it down. I fold that page down towards Good. the back and I hand it to him and I do personalize the book. And what's interesting is um, I, I was signing my books, Michael Bell, and I was giving them to people I kind of know. And they, th- they said, that's kind of impersonal. So now I just sign them Mike. Yeah. I put their first name and I tell them, thank you. You can do something very simple. Thank you for your support. Please enjoy this. Yeah. Um, pat, spread the word. Yeah. And then I just sign my name and hand it. And I'll tell you, Nobody's going to throw that book away because who has a signed copy from an author? Nobody sell, nobody throws that stuff away. That's true. That's very, very true. I, I've, I have a bunch of signed author copies. They are on my shelves. They will always be on my shelves. And, you know, eventually people are going to sell their home. And, you know, you want yeah. to have a book. You know, when the time comes, that will point out the mistakes that you you could potentially make. So, you know. Well, I also put my business card in there because that's a little marker for them. So yeah. I, I kind of jam that in there. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> so talk to me about the presentation then. When, when you know, let's say that you, you know, you get it to an expired listing. They're, you know, they're interested. Uh, you now are head and shoulders above all the other local people. Maybe they even read the chapter that you know, is the reason that their home didn't sell and expired in the first place, for example. What's that listing presentation like? What is it helping you? Let's just be blunt. Is it helping you to contract more more homes for sale? So real, uh, real estate is a relationship business. So it's hard to develop a relationship by mailing somebody a book. Right. So I've got to follow it up with a handwritten note, try to get their phone number, I haven't done this yet, but I really should be driving over to the house and putting it on their front door, but I'm not doing yeah, that. Yeah. So um, I'll, for every 20 books that I ship out, I get one response and that's on me. I, I really should be doing more. Yeah. Um, and th- they've been very good responses. But, you know, a lot of people, when they their home doesn't sell, they've decided not to put it on the market for a few more years. So th- maybe they'll call me in a few years. Yeah. I don't know. So I can't really say it's a one in 20 this stuff takes time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you said also what, I mean, follow-up is the key here. You know, you're framed as the expert because of your book, but they still need to like engage with you. And, and that means that a a conversation, yeah, a handwritten note is nice, but you know, I mean, if it's the kind of house that you want to list, getting over there and hand delivering that thing, or even you know, just a note attached to it or something that gets you in front of those people, that's going to be a game changer for you. That kind of follow-up yeah. will make a difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. Love it. Go ahead. Other things that you're doing with your book or that you've thought about doing with your book, because I know you just, you're ordering a bunch of copies. I, I know you're doing some some other interesting things. So other things that you're thinking about doing and using using the book. 
Well, what's interesting is I get a few phone calls a week from somebody nationwide that can't sell their home. They've read the book and they want me to find themselves a realtor. I had one guy call me a few months ago and he said, by chance, are you moving to St. Louis? And I said, no. (laughs) And he goes, well, the reason why is I read your book. Well, it's a great book. And if by chance you were moving to St. Louis, I'd hire you on the spot. I love like, that. Well, thank, thank you. <laughs> it's not that every realtor out there makes all these mistakes. A lot of them do. Yeah. But I can find somebody, a real estate agent, that subscribes to these principles. And they're not really that crazily difficult. It's just that this, you know, as real estate professionals, we have a fiduciary duty to our clients. You really are supposed to do what's best for the client. And a lot of the practices in our real estate industry really don't focus on the client. They're really not client-centric. They're really to help the real estate agent. They're, and they're, they're, they're to help the real estate agent get more business. Right. For example, the open houses. Open houses are great for leads for realtors. Print ads. There's a whole, article, there's a whole chapter about print ads. Print ads don't sell houses. Look at the data in the book. The real estate sign, the for sale sign out in front, does not help sell a house. It has less than 1% and it causes a lot of problems. Hmm. These are all things that everybody thinks you're supposed to do when right. you sell a house. And the realtors all subscribe to this because it helps their business. I've cut all of that out of my business. You know, If I have an opportunity to be in front of somebody to sell their home, you know, I have a really good chance of getting that listing because they realize, geez, this guy is going to do, Mike Bell's going to do everything that works and he's not going to use me to further his business. Right. I love that, Mike. I think the other thing too, I mean, there's a, I of course read through your book, loved it. There's a chapter in there that we're not even really getting to. Uh, I mean, what does a seller want more than anything else? You, You said it before, they want the most money possible for their home. And you have, I don't know if it's a a single chapter, but you talk about negotiation, you Mm -hmm. know, price negotiations, et cetera. And I love your, your philosophy on that. I love the way you, you handle that. I wonder if you could talk for a minute about some of the mistakes there when it comes to the actual negotiating part and getting the highest price for a home. Well, let's put it this way. At the end of the day, a seller wants three things. They want the most amount of money in the least amount of time with the least amount of headaches. Right. They've surveyed millions of sellers. They've all basically said the same thing. But who wants this process to take long? Who wants headaches and all that other stuff? So this is a great guide to get you there. Now, in terms of negotiation, a lot of sellers decide to pick a realtor based upon their fee. Now, just think of it this way. If you hire a real estate agent and you can beat them up on their fee, if you can get them down, you've just out-negotiated a professional negotiator that's supposed to negotiate the sales price of your house. I tell people all the time, why would you hire someone who can't even negotiate their own paycheck? Right, right. And quite frankly, I see this all the time. The way the agent negotiates their paycheck is usually the way they negotiate the sale of your, your home. And it's absolutely true. There's some horrible, horrible real estate agents. And I don't want to say most of them are discount brokers, but a lot of them are. And you get what you pay for. Yeah. Well said. That is something that needs to be thought about by a seller because it can feel self-serving, right? But if you just take a step back, use a little common sense, really think about it and go, okay, I get it. This guy's tough. This guy's a tough negotiator. That's who I want working for me is a tough negotiator. I don't want somebody that just negotiated their paycheck lower so quickly. 
because they're, you know, they're moving. I get it. I get it. There's a common sense element that needs to be employed when you think about that. So I, I love that way of thinking about it. Yeah. Well, there's a whole bunch of other chapters of great stuff in there. So, well, let's do this. <laughs> yeah. Let's give them some links in, in a second where they can get a copy of the book, where they can learn a little bit more about you. You know, I had the pleasure and honor of, of working with you um, and our team on this book and we're really proud of it. I know you're really proud of it. You know, maybe you could take a minute. You know, what would you tell somebody that was thinking about working with bestseller publishing or or any, you know, things to, to think about in regards to them creating their own book? Well, first of all, I would never think about doing this all by myself. It's There's so many little things that are involved, even creating the format, the font, the look. Uh, you guys had everything right there. It was It was great. I will admit that when I first met you, I kind of thought about doing this by myself and realized quickly that there's no way I'm going to be able, it's tough enough just to write the book. Yeah. It's tough enough to, you know, I, I tell people I'm a first time author, last time author, <laughs> I'm a full time realtor. Rob, it has nothing to do with you, but I never want to write a book again. <laughs> it was hard. It is. But, but, you, but you made it easy. Mm. You made it as easy as possible. And I appreciate that because all the tools were there. Everybody was there. You've got proofreaders, you've got all, you know, people helping me with editing and all that other stuff. And I will admit it took me a long time because I just kept putting it to the side and, and that's all on me. But there's no way I would have been, I would have finished this book if it wasn't for you guys. There's apps and to get it loaded on Amazon and all of the, uh, all the ancillary people that you've got that to help me with the different funnels and all the training that you have every week. It's, there's nothing out there like it. So I appreciate it. You've got a great thing going. Thanks, Mark. Thanks. Well, we're, I, sh- I should have done it five years ago though, <laughs> when know, I first met you. <laughs> that is, that is one of the mistakes, right? One of the big mistakes, yeah. you know, when, when, when should you have written your book 10 years ago? The second best time yeah. is today, right? Like, so yeah, I, I love that first yeah. time author, last time author, but you did it right. You became not just an author, but a wall street journal, uh, best amazing. And, and that's a, that's a big deal. I mean, that is, that is not a small thing. I wrote my first book in 2009, uh, I became a Wall Street Journal bestseller with my most recent book just last year. So you're talking about, you know, a span of 13 or 14 years of me writing and being a part of many books. You did it right out of the gate. So, Mike, congratulations. Let's give them some links where they can uh, learn a little bit more about you and maybe get a copy of the book, et cetera. Real simple. They can just go to my website, Michael B. Bell.com. Michael B. Bell.com. There is, uh, you can click ask, answer a few questions. I, all I need is your email address so I can email you a, a free copy of the book. You can go into Amazon and buy the book. It's um, I'm launching the audio book next week, but you can get a soft cover and a hard cover. And I ask if you do buy my book, please give me a review. It's tough to get people to give reviews. Yeah. You can't do the review right away because Amazon wants to make sure you read it. So you got to go back into it three days later or something like that and yeah. write the review. But please give me an honest review. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and just, you don't need to read the whole book. Read a couple chapters and offer a review. You know, I mean, <laughs> offer a review, ba- an honest review based on what you've read. So, uh, And if you're, if you're thinking about selling your house anywhere in the nation and you have some questions, just call me up. I'm not going to try to sell you on anything. I'll help you out. I, 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 can, I can spare 10 minutes. And, you know, please get a free copy of the book, too. It'll help you out. I guarantee it. I guarantee it as well. Mike, uh, great to be with you, my friend. Thanks for taking the time out. And, uh, you you know, look forward to hearing about more uh, success here with the book. 
Hey, thanks for listening in on the Publish, Promote, Profit podcast. If you enjoyed it, please take a minute and like and subscribe to the podcast because every week I bring you either great guests or great teaching to help you to grow your income and your impact with a best-selling book. And if you're interested in having your own best-selling book, check out my short video which explains our trademark process at beginmybook.com.